Hi, I'm Charles. Hi, I'm Bailey. And you're listening to Hold Me, I'm Scared. Welcome back to Hold Me, I'm Scared, where once a week we pick out a fear and explore it. This week we are talking about psychological studies. Ooh. <laughs> it's a lot, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's there's a lot to be afraid of, I found. Yeah. There's <laughs> a lot to be afraid of. Um, well, and there's a lot to be afraid of in life in general. What are you afraid of today, Bailey? <laughs> oh, God. I'm afraid that I'm never <laughs> going to feel okay again. Uh, I'm afraid this headache isn't going to go away. I'm super hungover because I got three birthday presents yesterday and two of them were champagne. And uh, she didn't uh, didn't just take a couple sips. Well, the thing is with champagne, if it's like a big bottle, once it goes bad <laughs> once you pop the cork. So you have to drink it. You have to drink the bottle. I mean, you don't have to. No one's making you drink this bottle. What was that? <laughs> Albus has the zoomies. <laughs> oh, her cat Albus is uh, perfect timing. Possessed. Yeah, um, he tried to strangle me in my sleep last night. Well, suffocate. I've tried to strangle you in your sleep. You've tried to strangle me in my sleep. I did not try to strangle you. I tried to get you to stop snoring, and then you turned purple. And I stopped. I and I stopped holding your nose shut. You know. It's times like this where I remember this story and think that I could be dead and uh, how that's what I'm afraid of today. The people that you love the most could be the ones that could kill you. I you weren't even close to death the minute that you started turning you don't purple. Know that. I stopped holding your nose shut. Ugh. If you, you disgust. <laughs> you turn purple first and then you turn you white. Turn purple first so you were so you weren't even white. You were so far away from death. <laughs> You know, the logic with this one. I'm, okay, not my fault I had a deviated septum. And somebody who can stand my snoring, instead of just maybe propping me up with a pillow, maybe kind of waking me up a little so I might come out of it. No, she decides to hold my nose shut so that I could, quote unquote, reset. And instead, no, brings me to d- the brink of the river sticks. Okay. No, when you hold someone's nose shut, they open their mouth. No. Well, they're supposed to. You didn't. And I waited to see if you would. And see, then when you did it, when you did it, I I op- I stopped holding your nose shut and you were you took a big breath. See, to fine. me it sounds like you're blaming it on me for not opening my mouth. Yes, because normal people would. Oh, yesterday was her birthday. Is everybody wish Bailey happy birthday? Thank happy you. birthday, Bailey. Here you can sing with me. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, to you. Happy birthday, to you. Happy birthday to you. She really loves her birthday. If there's one thing that she's always said to me is how much she loves her birthday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's a Pisces. Her gemstone is something. It's aquamarine. I think it's, it's really aquamarine. That's ugly. what I said. Um, mine's amethyst. You're amethyst welcome. is pretty. It, hey, April has diamond. This is a gemstone podcast now. <laughs> Welcome to the gemstone <laughs> podcast, where we only talk exclusively about gemstones and things related to gemstones. Uh, I want to be buried. No, we've already discussed I want to be buried in a tree pod, but imagine like some sort of 
gem like snow white coffin thing where you're just kind of like preserved and all these jewels uh, that's what I kind of want right now I want to uh, I just I also want stained glass windows I want a lot of things what do you want <laughs> I want to go back to sleep <laughs> well you can't go back to sleep Bailey I had to treat her like a disgruntled mom because somebody's like oh I need a mistake and I, I have to figure out my life now uh, I make one mistake in my whole life. Yes. You made one mistake in your whole life, and that is unacceptable to me. <laughs> You're supposed to be the the epitome of perfection, and you're not holding up that end of the bargain today. Yeah. Well, for sure. Because I'm not... I'm, I can't say with any confidence that I'll make it through the next, like, couple hours without throwing up. Throw up. Don't do that to me. Not this time. You're making me ill. If you just threw up on camera, I'd be so excited. (laughs) I'd be thrilled. That's so gross. It's not gross. It's funny. It's it's gross. You want to gross for you to clean up. I mean, it's I don't get like sexual gratification out of it, but (laughs) I do get some sort of pleasure of just watching you suffer. Be ill. Yeah, suffer. There you go. Yeah. I enjoy watching those I love suffer. <laughs> hey, did you notice also today there's no connection interruption so far? Yeah. I'm also holding a bat. Knock Why on wood. Are you holding a bat? It's my self-defense bat. Yeah, but it's and... like the middle of the day. It's Oh, I just like to hold it sometimes and play with it. Is the bat a euphemism? No. Okay. You can literally see the bat in front of you. It's a physical bat. It was out of frame because I've got you really tiny on my lap. No. Was it at least Dom Perion? No, it was. um, I've never actually had it before. It was good, though, except like the. um, So my friend had it delivered to me because I didn't have like a party because. Delivered. Okay. Um. (laughs) Because I didn't have, like, a party because of coronavirus. So my friend had a... We have Drizzly here, which is, like, a service. It's, like, DoorDash or, like, Seamless, but for just booze. So she sent me a bottle of champagne. And um, the delivery driver got lost multiple times. (laughs) And I was just waiting outside the front because I knew it was coming because you have to get like show your ID. Uh, so I, I was just standing outside of my apartment, and he sped up to like when he finally found me. I think he was so pissed off because he sped up to my apartment like he was driving a getaway car. Like his tires audibly screeched. He like bumped into the curb as he parked. He like stumbles out of the car and he's like Billy, and I was like who? Billy. He goes Billy, and I was like. I think, and he was like, Billy Worman, and I was like, sure. <laughs> Billy Worman. I was like, I, I was Whaley Borkman, and now Billy Worman. I'll be Billy oh Worman. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and then he gave me a bottle of sparkling rosé. It's not, I guess it's not technically champagne, but it was like. Oh, so now you're lying to yeah. everybody here. Was yeah. he in champagne? Well, it's, like, only champagne if it's from the champagne region of France. 
Do you feel do you feel good in your moral superiority with your little hangover less brain? Yep. Sure do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I do know that Dom Perignon is a is a lyric in Champagne Problems by Taylor Swift. Also, so is Getaway Car. Dom Two Perignon also is good songs. very expensive. <laughs> you know what? You knew we recorded a podcast on Sunday. <laughs> I know. I know. I really didn't intend to drink the whole bottle, but then like... No one ever intends to. You can't put the cork back in. You should get one of those old vac sealer things. It's like... You know, I just remembered I have a wine stopper. Bailey. Yeah. No, you're bad. (laughs) You're bad. I know. I didn't have to do it. I feel like you could just conveniently remember. (laughs) You just (laughs) drank the whole bottle and then was like, oh, no. No, I I forgot (laughs) I had a wine stopper. No, because I know it's in my my tool drawer. That's what's in my tool drawer. Oh, Not even stopper. tools. Just when she opens the drawer, it's just one singular <laughs> wine stopper. She's like, "This is my tool drawer." It's my tool. It's a, I have a, a. I think in that drawer is a wine stopper, a hammer, and duct tape, which is really all I mean. <laughs> yeah, what kind of Donald Duck sound did I just make? <laughs> um, I can't. Can you do a Donald Duck impression? Nope. I've tried. Don't work I th- out pretty well. Yeah. I can do Mickey. Do okay. Do Mickey. And Goofy. I can do Mickey. Like, <laughs> 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 Bailey, you shouldn't have drank so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you shouldn't have. Bailey, you shut. Oh God. You guys can't see Albus, but I'll describe what Albus looks like, okay? Albus is a medium to small size cat. He is white and fluffy with a pink nose, but also has um, little gray patches. He has one on the very top of his head, and I believe one on the side of his body. Albus, do you have anything to say? He said, leave a five-star... Here, I'll translate. He said, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, whether you liked it or not. Yeah, you can say whatever you want in the review. Just you like really can. Just five stars at the top. Um, I did want to give you a shout-out uh, before we move on to facts and figures. Me? Yes. Shall oh. Let me take it back. Um, Charles does all of the editing for the podcast every week, and... Charles and I are both very busy with other creative projects and with work and um yeah he, like a YouTube channel at Charles J Davis check it out thanks anyway anyway um and he works really hard to edit the podcast every week because um there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot to edit <laughs> and uh <laughs> mm-hmm. And it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort, and I just wanted to give you a shout out for doing that every week, and I, um, I appreciate you, and thanks, dude. Bailey, oh my God, okay, now edit you... that out. No, I will never edit that out. <laughs> I want them to know that she has mushy sides. I've touched them. Mushy. Ew, ew. So, I have some 
facts about experimental psychology uh, and these are from a, an article called How Experimental Psychology Studies Behavior by Kendra Cherry on VeryWellMind.com. It's a and cute name. Isn't it? Also uh, another article from BestMastersInPsychology.com. Um, so psychology is a pretty new uh, field of study uh, compared to other fields of study. It only really emerged in the late 1800s. Um, it started off as kind of like a, a combo of phys- philosophy and biology, and then it officially became its own field of study uh, when psychologist Wilhelm Wundt uh, founded the first laboratory that was devoted solely to the study of experimental psychology. Um, So what experimental psychology does is it examines the relationships between how humans behave and how the mind works. Um, It's centered on fact-based scientific research and experimentation. Um, And so basically that just means that experimental psychologists um, manipulate research variables in order to discover relationships between how we think and how we act. Experimental psychologists work in a variety of settings, uh, like colleges and universities, research centers, government-run facilities, and uh, private businesses. Um, And some of them are also primarily function as teachers that teach research methodology. They will conduct research on thought processes, the behavior of animals, neuroscience, uh, personality features, and pretty much any other subject area that is related to psychology. So early psychological experiments were often unethical. Um, (laughs) And I'm sure we'll get into that. Uh, They really, so psychological experiments, with it being uh, like such a new field, there wasn't a set standard of ethics. And so a lot of times the subjects were not like informed that they were even part of a psychological study or being experimented on. Um, and a lot of times the people that were exploited in uh, early psychological research were the most vulnerable in society. So like people who were institutionalized or imprisoned And though the ethics of psychological experimentation have come a long way, um, because it is a field that is so frequently evolving as we learn more about how humans work, um, and because it is still relatively new, the standards of ethical experimentation are still evolving to this day. And... Thank God. Yeah. And um, we have had, like, a lot of... We've got a lot of benefits from psychological experimentation. Mm -hmm. We've learned a lot about people, advanced, uh, beneficial psychological and psychiatric work, but sometimes that has unfortunately come at the expense of very real human beings uh, who suffered because there were not uniform standards of ethical behavior in psychological research. Yeah, that's pretty much what I've got. Just our, our basic overview of experimental psychology. Yeah. 
it's a it's a wild one that psychology like you said it's only it's really only been around since <laughs> like only for the past 200 years and that is not an incredibly long time for a field of study definitely not as long as like physical health which is also still an ever developing field yeah you know at there's some a lot point of... there's there's got to be nothing left to figure out you know right you would think but i think life is too complex for that to ever be true so i it'd be cool if everything just got figured out but also ignorance will always stop that too would you volunteer for um a psychological experiment it depends <laughs> it depends on what it is um if i didn't know probably not because i'm not looking to be uh after reading you know some of these stories i'm not really looking to uh, go through something traumatic again i've had enough of those experiences to last um not really looking for any more but if it was like for like a social experiment like um how people might react to something that's not incredibly traumatic like not like fake a car crash and then be like see how people react that's crazy but yeah well under modern ethical standards i think i think you can't subject people to things that will cause them physical or psychological harm. So I don't mm. think they could do some like something yeah. traumatic. Like there's a show on Netflix called Ooh, I forget what it's called. It's called like it's not the one hundred, but it is about a hundred people. There can be a hundred people in a room and only one of them needs to believe in you. And that person for me was Lady Gaga. Um but yeah, it's like a hundred people they put in a room and they split them up in all kinds of ways and have them do all these different experiments and explore different like gender biases and racial biases and just like, and those are some of the deep things, but then just other like lighter things, like how long can they listen to this annoying music or whatever. It's cool. Yeah. And you would do something like that? I think so. Because there was also this one really attractive guy on there who now I follow on Instagram. I could have met him. I mean, he's not he's already done it, so like if you were to do it now, he probably wouldn't. But I could meet there. somebody who looks like him. But his better. twin. <laughs> his hotter twin. His hotter twin. Uh, maybe. Just maybe. I think I think I would do I would do it. Would you do it? I uh, like I well would, would you would you do it like without any ram? Uh, no, no, sorry. Would you do it like without knowing what it was? Yeah. Look, I mean, at this point, yeah. <laughs> after this year, <laughs> after this year. <laughs> now, if it were like a grand amount of money, and they were like, seeing that's sad. Humans are so motivated by money, just because our capitalist yeah, because, society. Yeah, you need money to live. So. Um, and not even that. Not even capitalism. You just need money to live. Period. And well, no, it is because of capitalism that we need money to live. There, there is a reality in which everyone is generally provided for. I have a would you rather question. Oh, you do. 
<laughs> I do, and it was a little uh, hard for me to come up with because I don't want to offend anybody um, or like say something wrong. So I, I had to word it a different way. Okay. So, Bailey, would you rather be forced to wear only one certain color for the rest of your life, but you don't get to choose what color that is, or would you rather get to choose the color, but it's somebody else's life? Wait. So. I would just start... So you either have this happen to you or you do it to somebody oh. else. Oh. I, I would do it to somebody else. Would you at least make it a nice color? Yeah, of course. W- you cold-hearted bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, it's, not, it's like, generally pretty harmless, right? Um, yeah, your whole wardrobe would just be, like, monochromatic, that yeah, color, always. Yeah, just do it always. to someone else. I feel like, um, it's not, like, it's not gonna hurt them, right? And i pick a good color. Well... We'd hope. Um, but they could, so, but if it could happen to me, it could be a random color. It could be orange. And yeah, that, you can be forced to wear neon orange for the rest of your and life. And that'd be bad for, like, the world, because people would have to look at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was... Here, I'll tell you the question that I was going to ask. Wait, what would you do? With that? With your color one. Oh. Um, I see out of the fear that I would get a heinous color, I would also choose it for somebody else. Yeah, and you just called me a heartless bitch. Well, that's because you are, but not because of the color thing. Oh, you just, that was just general commentary outside of the question. Sure was. Um, yeah, I would give somebody like a nice, honestly, give somebody a black that's what I was going to say. Black goes with everything, I people. The, I would give them black. Black or nice, uh, you know, throw some beiges in there. But beige, nice... I feel like black is kind of like universally flattering, whereas beige is uh, Black not. is very universally flattering. I would never do white because that's too too stainy. Yeah. I was going to say, white is also pretty universally flattering, but... Or I would choose blue because blue is also universally flattering. Yeah. Just like in reference to the cult in our cult episode. (laughs) That's why they chose blue. Give a listen to episode six. Cults. I think it's episode six. Do you know what our most popular episode is? No. What is it? Our most popular episode is our amusement park episode. It has the most dreams of any episode. Our first controversy um, with each other. (laughs) The girls were fighting. (laughs) The hens were a pecking. Um, I didn't like that. I hated but it personally. First, I wanted to issue a little bit of a trigger warning. This deals with high amounts of LGBT abuse and racism. So if that is something that you do not have the space for today, you can skip ahead to Bailey's story. Um, then again, I don't know what she's about to talk about, so who knows? Um, or maybe just do another episode. My, mine's, um, mine's its own horrors. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Mine's, di- mine's different. Yeah. So. Okay. She's not like other girls. Um, so this all started in South Africa, which is known as the, I'm going to try to say it right, apartheid? Apartheid. Hmm? Isn't it apartheid? Apartheid. 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 Do you want me to just play that Thanks. every time you have to say it? Every time. <laughs> apartheid. <just> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So the, the apartheid. Apartheid. 
<laughs> I love that. We're gonna have to start doing that. Um, yeah. So two Wikipedia articles on the apartheid, on the apartheid, and apartheid. Thank you. And um, one on Steve. I believe his last name is pronounced Bicko. Um. So. Yes, if you don't know what the apartheid was, it was a system of institutionalized racial segregation that existed in South Africa and West Southwest Africa from 1948 until the early 1990s. The apartheid was characterized by an authoritarian political culture based on white supremacy, which ensured that South Africa was dominated politically, socially, and economically by the nation's minority white population. Um... According to this social system, white citizens had the highest status, followed by Asians, and then anybody who had brown skin or darker. So it even continues, like, even some until today, which is sadly not surprising. Um, During this time, there were doctors that were part of abuse to prisoners, and the most known case Steve Bicko. Um, he was a Black Lives activist in Africa, always fighting against white supremacy um, ever since his college years. In 1977, he was arrested and in jail. Um, he was stripped naked, shackled, and beaten at least um, by one of 10 security guards, and they claimed that he attacked them and that he was mentally unstable, but in reality, he was beaten so badly that not too shortly after that, he died from extensive brain injury trauma. Um, this man was not in the wrong. It was definitely the security. And on his coffin, um, Steve's coffin, it was decorated with the BLM fists that we know of today. Um, and he continues to be remembered as a pioneer and a hero to many, including myself, after reading a lot of his story. Um, now, this next article, um, the one that was like the scholar article, I believe it's a little dated. I couldn't find the date on it, but um, it, it does spit out a lot of truth about this event, but it still holds some like dated and not healthy stereotypes and terminology. Um especially when it comes to, like, the art of drag or things like that. But from 1969 to 1987, there was something known as the Aversion Project. And this was a nasty attempt to, quote-unquote, cure homosexuals in the South African Defense Force, which is also known as the SADF. Um, There was a report released to the Mail and Guardian. um, So that is some of where we get a lot of what we know of what happened. Um, but also from first-hand testimonials. This lasted for around two decades, and gay men and women were taken from the SADF, and doctors then tried their first method to quote-unquote fix them with electroshock therapy. Um, This was only with the men mostly, where they would show them pictures of men or like gay pornography and encourage them to be aroused, and then when they were, they would be shocked, and then given nude Playboy pictures of women. Um, obviously, this did not work because, as we know, and if you don't know, I'm about to tell you, sexuality is fixed in your DNA and it is not tied to your gender. You are born to like the genders that you like and nothing is wrong about it. Can't change it. Um, and as we know from our beautiful trans community, sometimes your gender does not fit the body that you were born into and that is a natural thing and the two never depend on each other. However, that is not what they believed. 
They, uh, after realizing that the electroshock therapy wasn't working, they moved on to involuntary hormone replacement therapy and sex reassignment surgery, believing that these gay people were obviously just all transgender. So, according to the report, there were possibly 900 gender reassignment surgeries over the span of 18 years, which... Oh my god is insane i mean it it really made me sad i mean because you know this is something a bit more personal to me if you don't know i'm a flaming homosexual so imagining like me having to go through that or like our people having to go through that yeah it's rough um after the process was completed for some um a lot of them were given new birth certificates with the new gender and new identity and they were discharged from the military though some of them were discharged before the process was even completed so it left them in this incomplete state of like hormone replacement therapy only halfway through and no final surgery after hormone therapy so were the people the like test subjects were they all military personnel Mm -hmm. or it was just the okay yeah it was all military. So they were just trying to SADF. eradicate homosexuality from the SADF, basically. But here's the really confusing thing. Um, the military also had full gay battalions that were respected by the straight counterparts. And, like, they didn't bother them. They only did it to a certain number. So I know. It it's was very confusing. So some of them it was okay... And then some of them, they went to try to change it for them. Just to see if they could, I guess, or... Maybe. Um, I'm not sure. But, of course, many of the records from this time have been lost. Um, So it's hard for the victims to gain any legal upper hand to their abusers um, or to trace anything back to, you know, the doctors that were involved. There is one doctor and though that is traced dr levin um he moved to canada i don't know if he's still alive now but he's of course denied any abuse allegations it's all just you know purely for study and nobody was ever abused and everything was consensual we also have some first-hand accounts though from a man named harold who uh, he was stuck. He, he's one of those people who, like, kind of got stuck in the in-between. Um, this is a quote from him directly. He said, I now know that in one sense I was just unlucky. The army had whole gay battalions who they just shunted aside and let be. But if things went wrong and you ended up in the hands of the psychologist, then it could get very bad. In my case, it began with the electric shocks and only ended after they'd already given me breast... And then the army said it had abandoned the whole policy. Can you imagine? Wow. I know. So they it's, they gave him, like, breast implants? He was in yeah. the process of forced gender reassignment surgery? Yeah. Oh, God. It's insane. Like, I, I see where their thought process was, but we all know that's wrong. Like... But also, it's, that's, like, so weird, because it's just, like, some women don't have titties. Like, some, some people who are assigned female at birth, like, once they reach 
maturation still don't have titties i barely have titties so yeah, how is I that gonna make this person a woman i don't think it was like make them a woman i don't think it was just that i just think it was this process of like they were doing so much to so many people he just might have made it through like a phase and then never got to continue the rest so yeah it's just so weird that they would think that that would be something that would have any uh, like any effect impact. i know yeah. Um, there is another testimony from Michael Smith, who Dr. Levy forced him to come out to his parents, and Michael says it was the first time they realized I was homosexual and they were horrified. Dr. Levin told them that he had therapy that would quote-unquote reorient me, so I agreed to the treatment. Um, and he was like 18 at the time. So in reference to electroshock, he said, when you kind of reach the maximum point and then you'd say, no, 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 I can't stand it anymore. Then the doctor would say, now you must think about your girlfriend and all that sort of off the wall statements. He said, I was actually just completely freaked out and confused. It certainly didn't do much for my impulses of attraction for other boys. Once again, we're not surprised. Why would it? Um, (laughs) Yeah, it really wouldn't. Like, that just doesn't... It doesn't make any sense. I don't... I don't get... Also from Trudy Grobler, an intern psychologist who was... uh, She worked at Ward 22, which is where a lot of this happened, um, saw a lesbian subjected to such severe shocks that her shoes flew off. Oh, my God. And she said it was traumatic. I could not believe her body could handle it. The one doctor that we know of, Dr. Levin, also believed that the same treatment could cure drug addicts mostly men caught smoking marijuana and there were also those who simply did not want to serve i forgot to say it apartheid uh, yeah apartheid um there were those who simply didn't want to serve in the apartheid military um but they were just tagged as disturbed it's starting to sound less like and uh, anything that was ever intended to treat anyone and more just like a punishment. I was like, just not joining or being a part of it. Why would you think any of that would work? Why? Like, is just, I'll get there in a second. But like I said, I, I couldn't really find why any of it came to a stop. I'm very glad that it did. But like the involuntary surgeries, I think is what freaks me out the most. Like just to do that to somebody, just because you think that they might be somebody who is transgender and like that's what's gonna help them stop being a a homosexual like what it doesn't make any sense like those two things are not tied together yeah and i don't know why as humans we have such a problem throughout today and definitely throughout history um i'm just like letting people love who they love as long as it's like consensual and of age um but like it's it's just so ridiculous to me because it's it really is so simple that a man can like a man and a woman can like a woman and and also you you are the gender that you are and so nothing's gonna change that like right and even like I'm sorry. I'm just saying, like, you are, you're, you're born who you are. And, like, trans women were born women. Trans men were born men. Like, people, you know, it's just, nothing's going to change that. And you can't take someone and just put different parts on and, and say, this is who you are now. Right. Because it just does, uh, because even then, like, you just have different 
parts now. Yeah, but you're still it's it's still who you are. You still are identify inside. as your gender and your sexuality. You still are your and, gender. Or and no, your you you still yeah you still are your gender and your sexuality, and I mean because I I ring up to people all the time who are ignorant of like in nature there are so many well not only gay relationships between animals but there are animals who can quite literally change their whole like genetic makeup to be female or male just like it will and you're telling me that sometimes when a human is born their gender might not have matched up with like the parts that they were born with you know what i mean like yeah that's really all that i had on that project that they were working on um so glad it stopped i i know it's still and the, i mean things continue this is all, yeah this is also something that still happens at like you know there's still conversion therapy that uses electroshock yeah, there's still conversion therapy and like even though that's rare of like the ones that we know of um you know there are still a lot of things going on under and like behind doors that we have zero idea and throughout other countries and it's just yeah yeah and the the thing it's just so sad and it's so stupid because you are who you are you know you're you are who you, you are. are the gender that you are regardless of anything external and you love who you love and there's really nothing that can change that <laughs> oh oh that too um the mostly the men were the only ones who went through gender reassignment surgery hardly any women did weird why mm-hmm. i don't know i'm ready for your story <laughs> okay i really am <laughs> <laughs> um so i have a would you rather okay, okay so here's the situation you have to listen to something being played on an endless loop for 16 hours. Would you rather it be It's a Small World or Baby Shark? Um, hmm. I mean, I'm already really tired of Baby Shark as a child educator. <laughs> um, it is a bop, though. I'll, I'll give him that. It's fun to move around to. You said for 16 hours on a loop? Yes, yeah, 16 hours, endless loop. Mm. Oh, and also, like... You are paralyzed. Oh, okay. Well, that's new. So now I can't even dance to Baby Shark. Yeah, exactly. Um, you can't do the dance. And I know the whole dance. I'm sure you do, of too. Of course I know the... Oh, I'm going to go with... It's a small world because it's got a good message. I... That yep. would make me homicidal. Reminder to stay diverse. Reminder to stay diverse. <laughs> Listening to It's a Small World on a loop for 16 hours would make me hurt someone. Well, listening to anything on 16 hours make, might make you want to... Yeah, but I feel like I feel like Baby Shark would... I don't know. I think I, I think I would pick Baby Shark. I think I could do it. It's just so short. Yeah, but It's a Small World might as well be like 10 seconds long because it's just the same thing repeated over and over. Yeah, but at least it has got kind of different movements and a couple different verses. So does Baby Shark. Like You've got that's... mom, dad, grandpa, grandma. Run away. Run away. They hunt. Let's go oh. hunt. Um, yeah, but like I said, small world. You're like, it's a small world. Just one moon, the golden sun, a smiling friendship for everyone. You know. Okay. We'll do, we're just going to have to agree to disagree before I quit the podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> okay. Well, I am going to tell you about the psychological experiments that were conducted by Dr. Donald Ewan Cameron. So my sources were Wikipedia, an article titled 25 Years of Nightmares by David Remnick that was published in 1985 by the Washington Post, and a 2019 National Post article by Nick Ferris. Dr. Cameron was a Scottish psychiatrist. He graduated with a degree in psychology from Glasgow University in 1924, um, received his doctorate from the University of London in 1925, and his uh, Doctor of Medicine degree with distinction from that same university in 1936. Uh, he was an incredibly prolific psychiatrist um, and very well respected and renowned. So uh, his early training was done at the Glasgow uh, Royal Mental Hospital and in 1926 he was promoted to the assistant medical officer there. Um, he continued his training in the United States uh, at the Phipps Clinic, John. Help, nope, <laughs> at Johns. Oh my God, I can't, I can't say this. Hello. Hello. He continued his training in the United States at Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, and he was there from 1926 to 1928 on a research scholarship. Uh, after that, he spent a few years practicing in Switzerland, and then he opened up some clinics in Manitoba, Canada. In the late 30s to early 40s, he served as a professor of neurology at Albany Medical College in New York. His knowledge of the brain's structure and organic functions distinguished him from other psychiatrists of the time, and he was really interested in seeking out biological cures for psychological syndromes. Um, so more Less talk, so less drug. Yeah, yeah. He was very interested in medicine as a cure. In 1943, Dr. Cameron was invited to McGill University, and he was invited to be the director of their new Allen Memorial Institute for Psychiatry. He also became the first um, chairman of the Department of Psychiatry at McGill. And he recruited psychoanalysts, social psychologists, and biologists. Bi what is happening to me? He recruited psychoanalysts. <laughs> I can't talk. Okay, well, thank you guys. It's been a okay, scary world I, out there. Bye. He recruited psychoanalysts, social psychiatrists, and biologists from around the world to develop the psychiatry program at McGill University. And it was at that uh, institute that he was the director of at McGill, uh, the Allen Memorial Institute, also just known as the Allen Institute or AMI, where his psychological experiments would be conducted. Hmm. He seems like he has a lot going for him, this man. Yes. So it's been about, at this point, he's been in practice for less than 20 years. Okay. It's still it's, a long and time, I have, but... I haven't even covered all of what he had done in that time. Um, yeah, he's been a professor of neuro neurology, and now he's at a new university, at uh, McGill University, and he's the director of their brand new Institute of Psychiatry, and he's also the chair of the Department of Psychiatry. Ooh. So he's got a lot of power, he's got a lot of accolades, 
And he uh, he proceeds to be a piece of shit. Okay. <laughs> so, from the years... Isn't that always the way? <laughs> so, he stayed at Allen Memorial Institute at AMI for quite a while. And from 1957 to 1961... Dr. Cameron conducted mind control experiments on patients at Allen Memorial. Mind control? Without, uh-huh. Without the patient's knowledge or consent. And uh, for this work, Cameron was paid $69,000. And 69. guess who paid him? Oh, in America? So this was in Montreal. Oh. Uh, it was at McGill University in Montreal. Guess who paid him? Guess who Just take a guess. Guess who paid him? The moose. <laughs> the moose. Yeah. The, ca- the, the Canada can- moose. The Canadian moose. They were like, hey, we want to get into this. Um, uh, the prime minister? Uh, the motherfucking CIA. Oh. Okay. Because they were real into like mind control around this. These time. experiments were part of MK Ultra. Oh my god! Subproject sixty eight. So MK Ultra was a covert operation by the CIA in the fifties and sixties, in which the CIA sought out new techniques of mind control, coercion, and interrogation. And probably like the most infamous part of MK Ultra that we've all heard of is. Uh, when the CIA secretly dosed unsuspecting U.S. citizens with LSD and then surveilled them to gather information on the drug psychological effects. Can you imagine? Yeah, that, like... I mean, it does make all conspiracies seem kind of true. Mm-hmm. Right? Because this, like, we know this really did happen. Yeah. Um, that the U.S. <laughs> that the CIA just... Gave just citizens LSD up and then was like, "Well, let's see what happens." And then secretly watch it. Yeah, bananas. Um, so this was a part of that uh, of MK Ultra. Now, whether or not Dr. Cameron knew that his funding came from the CIA is highly debated, and there's no real conclusive answer. Um, he's since passed away, and some people think that he. Reg- Regardless, he would have done these experiments. Some people think he was working with the CIA and he knew, and some people think he just would have done this anyway because um, he was that kind of dude. <laughs> so, uh, for his stated purposes, he said that he believed that he could kill... <laughs> Hello? Hello? He said... That changes <laughs> so, things. <laughs> Dr. Cameron's stated purposes were that he believed that he could cure psychological disorders like schizophrenia, anxiety, and depression by a process he called depatterning. I'm saying that word and it sounds fake. It's depatterning something. Patterning sounds like not a word. Patterning is a word. Patterning. 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 (laughs) So (laughs) through depatterning, he sought to erase his patients' memories and parts of their personalities, effectively reprogramming the psyche uh just so to get me, rid of the obvious. sad parts <laughs> yeah well like get rid of even more than that he kind of wanted to start them from like like build the psyche from the ground up but you can't okay um so it's kind of obvious to me why the cia would be interested oh yeah in this. <laughs> um and what year was this so, around 
So this, this was from the years 1957 through 1961. That tracks so hard. <laughs> yes. Um, and so to depattern his subjects, he experimented um, in a few ways. He would give them large doses of LSD, uh, among other drugs. And he would even use poisons, including a plant-derived paralytic poison called, I think it's pronounced curare. It's C-U-R-A-R-E, so maybe curare. Um, sure. He would also use electroshock therapy at super high intensity. Uh, it differs among sources, but I've read anywhere from 30 to 75 times the typical power. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, yeah. So after Fun they guy. were depatterned. Yeah, super cool. So after they were depatterned uh, to build up their new psyche and new behavior, Dr. Cameron used a technique that he developed called psychic driving. So this involved putting patients into an insulin-induced coma for extended periods of time uh, from a few weeks to, in one case, three full months. (laughs) My eyes are wide (laughs) yeah he was just like go to sleep go to sleep go to sleep you'll wake up a new person uh so while the patients were comatose or in some cases otherwise incapacitated by paralytic agents um a tape would play a simple message or a sound on an endless loop for 16 hour intervals and this was basically to see if he could brainwash his patients healthy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so some people believe that the purpose of these experiments uh, for the CIA was to get techniques on brainwashing, while others believe that the CIA was more interested in using information from these experiments to basically conduct psychological torture during interrogations Mm. because they were incredibly harmful. Yeah, they were definitely into, like, getting rid of the quote-unquote communists. Well, also, it was, like, the experiments themselves clearly had no... Spoiler, like, it didn't work. (laughs) It didn't? Um, Oh, no. So the brainwashing didn't work, but people think that... Some people believe that the CIA wasn't even interested in these experiments for that reason. They were interested in, like, in learning methods of psychological torture. So effectively, these patients underwent psychological torture in the name of quote-unquote treatment. Um, So yeah, didn't work and caused incredible harm. Um, So in the aftermath of all of this, Dr. Cameron died of a heart attack in 1967. Bye. But yeah, bye bitch. But the horrific after effects of his psychological experiments lasted far beyond his passing. Multiple class action lawsuits were filed by the victims of Dr. Cameron and their families. Um, These class action suits were against the Canadian and American governments, the CIA, and McGill University, where AMI was housed. Um, In 1992, the Canadian government paid a settlement of $100,000 each to 75 of Cameron's victims and denied claims of more than 250 other uh, claimed victims. And so only like a few got the yeah. settlement, but nobody else. 
Yeah, and I don't I don't know the reasoning behind that. I don't know if like because a lot of the victims by 1992 had passed, mm. so I don't know if it was just they thought maybe their family members didn't deserve the money, or if they like couldn't verify that harm, like lasting harm was caused in those cases. I don't. Do know. you know if he accidentally killed people? He, not to my knowledge, did not directly kill anyone, but he did make them basically unable to function. Hmm. So um, by association, we'll I guess. Yeah, I mean, like, he he ended the, their lives as they knew it, a lot of people. And I have, we'll talk more about that. But um, in late, as late as 2019, a, a new class action suit was filed in Canada on behalf of the patients uh, wow. treated by Dr. Cameron at the Allen Institute and their families. Yeah. So it's really long-lasting harm. It's affected generations. Um, the lawsuit described Cameron's process of deprogramming as, quote, nothing more than an electronic lobotomy, end quote, uh, that left his victims totally unable to cope with daily life and function in normal society. So I am going to end by telling the stories of some of the victims and their families. So, Valma Orkelo was um, a patient who sought treatment from Dr. Cameron at AMI when she experienced postpartum depression after the birth of her daughter. After she left Allen Medical Institute, her husband described her as, uh, quote, operating at about 20% capacity. In her own statement to the Washington Post, Velma described that, quote, I suffer from chronic depression, which sometimes becomes acute. I call these periods my black holes. I don't see anybody, and I won't leave the house. I can't read, and I used to love to read. I can't write a letter. I have unexplained fears. I wake up at night afraid, and I don't know why. I'm trying to limp through my life like someone who's been in a terrible accident that leaves them crippled. Dr. Cameron could be cruel if he didn't do exactly what he wanted. He was a god figure to the patients. This is that's so sad. That is like, so sad. And that these people came for help. And she, I mean, she just, she had postpartum depression, which is something that so many people who give birth experience. Yes. And, and she honestly could have just, it could have just went away by itself, too. She could have been treated with, medi- like, normal medication and talk therapy. Yeah. And instead, she went through this depatterning process uh, that basically ruined her life. Um, so, in that same Washington Post article, Harvey Weinstein, not that one. Oh. <laughs> um, this one is a psychiatrist at Stanford. Um, he described the effects of Cameron's experiments on his father, Lewis. Uh, he said that the experiments, quote, ruined his father's life. End quote, and turned him into, quote, a human guinea, guinea pig, a poor, pathetic man with no memory, no life. He lost his business. He lost everything, end quote. Louis Weinstein returned from Allen Institute, a shell of his former self. He needed constant care for the rest of his life, as he would often become disoriented, asking about his long-dead parents, or at one point he walked into the middle of his son's bedroom and started urinating, not under like knowing where he was he uh, 
he became paranoid that the CIA was listening to his phone calls, which I would say, like, um, normally. My, yeah. But uh, who knows? They really might have been. In this case, and yeah. And he also felt guilty, like he might have done something to make the CIA experiment on him. Like, he might have done something bad. Like this was his fault kind of thing. Yeah, and he felt ashamed and embarrassed. Uh, and he was miserable and needed care. Um, he, he was cared for by his two adult daughters for the rest of his life. Um, in a Canadian National Post article, Julie Tanney describes her experience with her own father. So her father had been diagnosed with a lesion in a cranial nerve, and he was advised by doctors to seek psychological treatment from Dr. Cameron at AMI. Um, before he went into treatment, he was a very loving father who was super affectionate with his kids, and he liked to take them on surprise adventures and trips to amusement parks. Amusement uh, parks. He... <laughs> Another episode <laughs> yeah. of Hold Me, I'm Scared. Yeah. Uh, but not they weren't going to action parks, so it was okay. It was happy. <laughs> um, he returned a very cruel man whose personality was almost unrecognizable uh pretty much instantly he became physically and verbally abusive to his children um he would hit his daughter and he started calling his son an idiot um and he his physical abuse lasted into julie's 20s um her happy childhood turned into what she described as hell and her father when he came back she said he just had lost all affection or care for his children mm. he basically turned dr cameron basically turned her dad into a monster yeah for for what for what for what because what did what did anyone gain um so despite his deeply unethical practices Dr. Cameron went on to serve as president of the American Psychiatric Association from 1952 to 1953. No. President of the, yep, president of the Canadian Psychiatric Association from 1958 to 1959. Uh, president of the American Psychopathological Association uh, in 1963. Uh, president of the Society of Biological Sci Psychiatry in 1965 and president of the World Psychiatric Association from 1961 to 1966. Not the world, man. But now he's dead and disgraced like he deserves. Yeah. God, the 60s. What the everybody claims to be is like the high point of America is some of the worst like <laughs> disgusting parts of our history. Yeah. And um for what? For what? I for for experimentation. The, yeah. Look, you can't just erase people's personality. That's also in their DNA. You can't do that. You can't just tear. I mean, you can tear people down, but it's not a good thing. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think that. And I don't. I'm not, I'm not even a psychologist. You know what I mean? You know, this lasted for years, it lasted from 57 to 61. So at some point, like, you may say that he was trying to, like, cure people, but at some point you, you would know that it's not working. Yeah. 
And so either he was just a like super hubristic asshole who thought that, who ignored the fact that it wasn't working and fooled himself into thinking that it was, um, or he was actively working with the CIA and didn't give a shit about these people. Yeah, just some kind of like sadist for no reason, just for whatever. For $69,000. Can you just not, like, look, I'm not even a doctor. Bailey's not a doctor. And we know that we're in our young, well, we're in our... (laughs) We're in our 20s, and we know that these things wouldn't work. We just know. We wouldn't even have to study. Yeah, and people will still try to justify Dr. Cameron's work and say it was a different time. Um, Like, the university released a statement during one of the class action suits saying... You have to look at the time the that it was and the during, in the context were. of the era and that that experiment would never be able to happen today. And it's like, yeah, because it was wrong. The fact the fact that the rules have changed to recognize that it's wrong doesn't change that it was wrong when it right. happened. Like that and that is such like ignorant speech already that we know from racists or xenophobes and like you know, like it just from anybody who's ignorant, it's always like it's a diff- it was a different time, and like yeah, and then like we realize because that happened that we shouldn't do that anymore. Like that's the reason why it doesn't but happen. You knew, but you knew, you knew then you shouldn't do it anymore because if you have any trace of human empathy, you would see the suffering <laughs> and know right? that it wasn't like, working. We, we we knew that it was wrong, but it was more important that. The government knew how to brainwash people. Yeah, for the quote unquote greater good, right? It, it's not, but it's never. It never is. It was. It. No, it really isn't. Never is. Like it, and it, and they know. Like I, I'm starting to sound like a conspiracy theorist myself, but they know. Okay, <laughs> they know that it's not for the greater good. It's so that they can have an advantage of in war, so that they can get money. Okay, it's about fucking money. It was never about protecting people. It was never about. This shit, this like suffering, it was never about anything good. <laughs> no, it wasn't. And neither of our stories. It's it's never about anything good. And it's just people like it's just people being gross. Can people just stop being gross? Like, and it's just it's like part of what's so fucking scary about this is that there's nothing the victims could have done. In either of our cases, because they just weren't in this in a situation of power, they were vulnerable. Yeah, and it, these people took advantage of vulnerable people for what? Just to see what happened, I guess. Because, I mean, and of course, you know, there are other things like money and whatever. But like, it seems that just people will just do things just to see what happens and that and like these are the type of people that end up in power i know and i'm and this wasn't even that long ago for both of us like no that's what's crazy like and i'm not a conspiracy theorist but like i i think there there's there's still stuff that's happening that i'm sure is harmful that we don't know about right now yeah and i am sure that a lot of quote-unquote conspiracy theories are probably true are there any fun conspiracy theories? I really like any. I like the Illuminati. I like, um, 
I like ones that have to do with like aliens. I enjoy Ooh, those. Yeah, like Roswell. Those are fun. Area Fifty One. Yeah, they still won't let people I, over there. They, there are there. They're there. Something's there. I don't know if they're at. I don't know if they're at Area Fifty One, but I, I aliens are like around. They're 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 out there. <laughs> okay, Bailey. <laughs> um, I look. Space is a whole other thing, and there's a good video that I can't remember the title of, but it talks about the whole, like, uh, what what could and what would happen if there are aliens out there. It's a wild ride. Um, space is, if I think about space too much, freaks me out. We'll have to do an episode on, oh, on space. Yeah. Because... There's a lot of things in space. <laughs> Weird things in space so not all why is it why is it so big you know i don't know why is it it so big and why are we so small like and and here we are so small and yet so evil i know like you know there is a good video called the pale blue dot definitely watch that it's very enlightening makes it feel it's short huh it's carl sagan right I don't know who does it, but it's good. <laughs> it's, I don't know things. Like I just know some things. Yeah. Anyway, I'm taking it back. I don't want to be a part of a psychological experiment because who who knows what they will do to you? Who knows what they'll do to you? I, I would only be part of one if I'm going to know mostly what they're going to do to me. And there's some compensation. <laughs> The, the brain, well, the brain is a wide maze of complicated and wild connections. And yes, and you need to keep the government out of your brain maze. Keep the government out of your brain maze, okay? Because it's a scary world out there. So hold on to the people you love. Bye. Bye. Who cares? <laughs> Can I leave? I'm leaving that in. <laughs>